Again, it is very good to be back with you this morning, and if you would, take your Bibles that I hope that you have, that you brought with you, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and we will pick up where we left off. We are on a brand new journey, walking through this wonderful, wonderful Gospel that the physician has given us. We'll be in verse, we'll begin in verse 18 in just a second. If you remember two weeks ago when we were last in this gospel, um, a prophecy came to Zechariah, the coming of a, a son that he and his wife, who were advanced in age, she was barren, they were promised that they would have a child, and this child would be the forerunner. He would go ahead of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to prepare the way, and he would be a great prophet. And... His name would be John the Baptist. And so we looked at the promise of a great prophet then. Now today, we're going to look a little more into the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We saw that about three weeks ago, where we saw their, their testimony, that they were a people who were righteous in the sight of God. They followed the commands of God. They were, they were a good picture of, of faith in those days, and even for us today. But today, we will see that Zechariah is not perfect. And so today, as we look... We see how Zechariah responds to the promise that God has given him through the angel Gabriel. And so just a little bit of a spoiler here for you. His doubt, he's overcome with doubt and it leads him to unbelief. And so this morning I want us to look at this issue of doubt through the doubting priest. A doubting priest. And there are three things that I want you to see. I want you to see the struggle with doubt. I want you to see the danger of doubt. And then I want to give you some steps to fight against your doubt this morning. And so if you will, look with me again, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. He says, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. I want you to notice first the struggle of doubt that we find within this text. We see here in verse 18, that the angel comes and he, he comes and he brings this wonderful news. But Zachariah says, how will I know this to be true? I think J. Vernon McGee kind of captures the familiarity of Zachariah's response for us as well. Notice what McGee says. He says, I cannot help but laugh at this verse. Like, he said, or laugh at a verse like this. A great many people do not find humor in the Bible, but there is. And this verse gives us a taste of it. Here is a man, a priest, who has gone to God in prayer. At the altar of incense, he says, Oh God, give me a son. And when God says to the angel Gabriel, I'm going to give you a son, Zechariah replies, 
Well, how do I know? Have you ever prayed like this? You ask God for something, but you really do not believe he's going to give it to you. You see, this man, Zechariah, is quite human, and I cannot help but laugh at him because that's the way that I pray sometimes. Now, unlike J. Vernon McGee, I don't find this text to be as humorous maybe as he does, but I do believe that, it is very, that its struggle is very familiar to me and to you as well. The struggle of doubt. We, we, we see here that, that, that I think this is something that we look in Scripture where you and I can relate to presently in our own time. Doubt is defined as being uncertain or lacking confidence in something. Specifically for the Christian, it is the uncertainty that we have when we come face to face with the Word of God or the power of God to overcome certain obstacles and, and perform certain things in our life. Remember, Christianity is built upon the very principle of faith, Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is a necessity. It is the very foundation of our relationship with God. Without faith, there is no relationship. And so we see that in the scriptures, also there in Hebrews, faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so you have these two things that are pitted together. You have faith, which is certainty and confidence and assurance. And then you have this, this doubt, this unbelief, which is having no certainty no or, or wavering in your assurance and confidence. You're not really sure on this. And we see that the two go head to head as mortal enemies. And they have done this from the very beginning of time because it was the very doubt that led Eve to listen to the words of the serpent. If you go and you read this, this, this interaction between Eve and the serpent, the serpent has, has inserted into her mind, into her heart, words of doubt. God had told her that she would die. But the serpent said, do you really think he would do that? And so we see that doubt is this uncertainty against the words of God. When an angel, a messenger of God, delivers the grand news to John the Baptist, Zechariah responds in unbelief. Notice what he says, verse 18. How will I know this for certain? I find this very amazing that he would respond in this way. Because how did the Gospel of Luke start? Do you remember? Back in verse 4, we looked at this. This is the whole point. This is the whole purpose of Luke's Gospel. If you go back to verse 4, he told, he told Theophilus, he says that I am writing this to you so that you may know the exact truth about the things that you have been taught. That you may have certainty concerning Jesus Christ. And so here, the very first thing that we are confronted with, with Zechariah, that after the, this message, the gospel has been brought to him. Because he says, I'm bringing you good news, Zechariah. The first thing that Zechariah is confronted with is, how can I be certain? And so you see the connection here that, that Luke is trying to give Theophilus and us. And we see it even with Zechariah that he's believing the angel. So to gain some understanding in his response, you need to go, you need to fast forward a little bit. So look ahead, turn the page, and look at verse 34. We come to the story of Mary and Gabriel now. Well, the angel comes to, to Mary and he says, you're going to have, a, he says, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. And his name's going to be Jesus, he's going to be the Savior of the world. Look at what Mary says. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And so we look at these two things and we wonder, well, wait a minute, is how, why is his response different than Mary's? 
They may look familiar or, or similar, but they are in fact quite opposite of one another. In verse 34, Mary is asking for understanding. How, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I, I'm not supposed to be able to have children. This goes against biology. This goes against the, the laws of, of this universe. She's not asking for proof. She's asking for understanding. She believes the angel, she won't, but she just wants to know how is this going to take place. But in verse 18, Zechariah is desiring proof. One comes from a heart of, of unbelief and the other from a heart of belief. One comes from a heart of believing but wanting understanding. The other wanting proof. I need you, God, to tell. I need you to give me certainty. And how many of us have ever been like this? God, I'm, if this is your will, give me a sign, right? Have you been there? And this is normally the sign that we do, right? This is, this is our sign, and yet all through from Genesis to Revelation, God has told us that we have his word. And this is what we're doing. We, we, he's, he's, I need proof from you, Lord. And so we often think that the issue of doubt and unbelief, that this is an unbeliever's problem. We, we often think this is the problem of the atheist. This is the problem of the righteous. But beloved, notice verse 6. Zechariah is righteous in the sight of God. He is, in fact, a Christian. He is, in fact, been redeemed and justified in God's eyes. And yet here he is. He is faced with doubt. And so one of the first things that I want you to see here this morning is that even the righteous struggle with doubt. Even the righteous struggle with unbelief. Maybe you are a Christian this morning. But this struggle between doubt and faith is something that you can relate to. And it may be one of those things where, where it's something that you have struggled with, but you've never shared it with anybody. Because you thought that to doubt determines my, it determines my salvation. And what we find is, is it doesn't determine your salvation. It is dangerous. I, I will show you in a moment how doubt that is unhindered, that doubt is not fought against, that if we don't go to battle against it, it can be dangerous. But just because one doubts, it does not determine your salvation. That in fact, doubt is the battle that rages between faith and unbelief. And so maybe this morning you've doubted. Maybe there are those of you here this morning that you have struggled with, the, you've doubted your own salvation. You know that you have placed your faith, you have said, I placed my faith in the Lord, I've repented of my sins, and I've been baptized, but you wake up in the mornings and you just go, but you know, the, the thing, those thoughts that I had yesterday, how can God, how can I still be saved? You, you, you wonder, has God really changed me? And you struggle with that. And so you've doubted your salvation. There may be those of you in here this morning where you have placed your faith in the Lord, and, and you're believe, you have believed upon Him, but as you've gotten older... And, and you may have heard some things from the world, you begin to doubt the existence of God. You begin to wonder, you know, I placed my faith in, in Him and all this, and earlier on I was really strong in my faith, but you know, I've had some moments of despair, I've had some moments of discouragement, I've had some things in my life, and now I'm just even wondering, is God even real? Maybe you have had the battle of, between the truth of God's Word, where you read things and you go, oh, that can't be true. There's no way God would do that. Uh, there's no way that happened. The flood, really? It's, it's a worldwide flood? And so you begin to wonder if, if some of these truths and some of these events within the Word of God, you begin, to, you begin to struggle with that. 
you begin to wonder and, and doubt the inspiration of the scriptures. You go, well, I, I get that man, men wrote this, but, but were they really inspired by the Holy Spirit? Is the Word of God really perfect without contradiction? You may say, well, I, I, you, maybe you've doubted the issue of Jesus. You say, I don't understand that whole incarnation thing, that Jesus is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. I really, you know, maybe, maybe he was just a man, just a really good guy who had some really good things to say. Maybe you've doubted the promises of God, the promises that tell us that, that he is with us, low to the end of the, of the world, the, the promises that he's going to come back, the promises that we, as, we, as they sang in the psalm, the promise that we too will rise from the grave, right? Or maybe you've doubt, doubted that even Jesus rose from the grave. There are many areas in which, brothers and sisters, that we and I, that you and I may find ourselves having a struggle, a battle within the Christian faith. Let me offer you some encouragement here. To battle does not decide your salvation. We are meant to battle. Amen? We are meant to battle. We are going to have these battles, but it is how you battle and if you're willing to go to battle. Again, to lose this battle of doubt can be very dangerous. And I'm going to show that to you in a minute. But let me encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, that even the righteous, even the Christian will struggle at times. And that's okay because sometimes we need to struggle in order to grow in our faith. Sometimes it is those struggles that push us to run to the Lord, to find the answers that we may be able to grow and be sanctified. So I want to encourage you this morning that if you are someone who has found yourself like Zechariah, found yourself in one of these battles that maybe I have mentioned, or maybe there's one that I haven't, but that I've mentioned to you this morning, and you have struggled with that, hear, hear me this morning. You are not alone in that, and you have a faith family who is willing to go to battle with you. That we're not meant to do this alone. And there is a God who understands this and he is with us in this. But battle, don't give up in that. And don't think just because you're struggling in these areas and you're having doubts in these areas that somehow you are less than. Because Zechariah was righteous in the sight of God and God knew that he was going to doubt. But there is a danger in this. That if you are not on guard and you do not go to battle, there can be a danger. Look at verse 19 and 20. The angel answered and he said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent, unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Gabriel makes it very clear that he has been sent by God. To understand the danger that you're about to see, you must understand this very fact. That Gabriel has been sent by God. He is God's representative. In other words, he, the words that he speaks to, to Zechariah, Zechariah is to take those words as though God himself was standing before him giving him this message. Why is this important? Why is doubt so dangerous? Here's the answer. Because God never lies. God never lies. God is perfect. There is no deceit found in him. God is good. God has proven himself faithful time and time again. And because of who God is and what God has done, there is nothing more unreasonable or irrational than to doubt the word of God and to not believe it. 
Let me say that again. Because of the character of God, it is irrational, it is irrational and unreasonable to doubt him and to disbelieve him. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning, and we're talking about the issue of the court of law and, you know, when lawyers go. Here's the thing. A person's character as an eyewitness matters. And so if you can call someone's eyewitness, that's a witness, if you can call into question their character, if you can go to bat their character, then you can bring doubt, you can, you know, you can prove that they're lying. Every one of us in here, if, if we were to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to be there at 3 o'clock to help you, and they go, yeah, right. All of a sudden, you're what? You're offended. You're offended that someone would not believe you that would call your character, your goodness, your word into question. And yet here we have God of the universe who is perfect and good and who has never lied and who is faithful And Zechariah does not believe him. It is an offense, brothers and sisters. Unbelief is an offense that assaults the goodness, the faithfulness, and the power of God to overcome. Again, Abraham, is there anything too difficult for God? You see, doubt can lead one to say, yes, God, there is. Doubt can lead us to answer that question and say, yeah, there are things that are too difficult to, for you. There are things that you cannot do. Beloved, when God speaks, he is to be trusted. To not trust what God says is an offense against God. This is the reason why we read in Habakkuk 2.4 that the righteous, <coughs> the righteous shall live by faith. Not, not that just they, they just live you know, blindly, but this, it's this, this, we live with this trust that not only does God exist, but in what God does and what God says. The essence of being a Christian is believing not only that God is real, but believing God. Believing the words of God, the actions of God, the things that God does. Where you look at him, even in your own life, and you say, I'm not sure I deserve this, God. Or, it, it, you know, you look at yourself and you, and you say, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I believe you and I trust you. To trust him even when you don't understand and when the circumstances surrounding you seem impossible. Zechariah <coughs> is a lesson to all of us. Doubt can be very dangerous because doubt can give way to unbelief. Which, by the way, brothers and sisters, unbelief is sin. And this is why God judges Zechariah so harshly. In verse 20, he says, Behold, you shall be silent, you shall be mute, unable to speak. There are consequences for unbelief. There are consequences for the unbeliever, and there are even chastisements for the believer. Look again, verse 19, he says, I have, sent to speak, sent, I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. Notice here. This good news is the gospel. This, it's not just that Zechariah is going to have a son. It's that his son is going to go before Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer and Savior of the world. He's not just believing that they are not going to have children. It's this, this is very much connected to Jesus Christ. And so this refers to the gospel. So Gabriel is not just coming to tell him you're going to have a son. He's coming to say, do you remember those promises, uh, Zechariah, that I told you that I was going to bring a king, a king of kings, a Messiah? He says, John the Baptist is going to be part of a larger story. And to not believe this 
will result in eternal damnation. We love John 3.16, but we always forget John 3.18. That whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Or John 12.48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Oh, brothers and sisters, hear me today. Doubt can lead to unbelief, which is dangerous because it can lead to condemnation of the unbeliever. If you are an unbeliever this morning, hear me. I could, not, I could not plead with you enough this morning that you are to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came and died for you, gave his life for you, rose from the third, on the third day, bringing forgiveness and salvation to all who would repent. And that it is, that it is in your, it is rational and it is the most reasonable thing to believe in this. But not only this, it is the greatest thing to believe in this. But to not believe will result in your judgment. You will be cast into hell for an eternity. You will be under God's judgment and God's wrath. It is dangerous to not believe God. It is dangerous to not trust God. It is dangerous to reject the gospel as only a fairy tale. And so hear me, if you are an unbeliever this morning, see the danger of this. And be convicted this morning that can come to Christ and believe upon Christ. Repent of your sins and place your faith in this. Come to Christ this morning. Call upon Him that He would make this known to you. That you would see this to be for what it is. That it is the truest of all things. It is the most loving of all things that He has done for you. There's a danger for the unbeliever. But not only that, brothers and sisters, it is a danger even for the Christian. For it will bring chastisement upon us that when we are confronted, even as believers, that we are confronted with the Word of God and the things that God promises and the things that we read in the Scriptures. And we go, well, I'm not, I'm not there. I can't. I don't know about that. It, again, the doubt itself is not the problem. But if we're not battling and if we just allow doubt to move us to unbelief, then that becomes the problem. And that can be dangerous. Notice Zechariah. For this is a man who was made mute. He was made silent for nine months and a, and a week or eight days. It's, it's really amazing. He doesn't even get his, we're going to talk about this in a moment. He doesn't even get his voice back. When John is born, he had to wait eight more days. So think of the sadness and the hardship this man endured. He goes into the temple. He's able to speak. He comes out and he goes to his wife. And he cannot even verbally say to her, you're going to have a child. He cannot verbally say to her, and better than that, the Messiah is coming. Can you imagine the burden and the difficulty, the, 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 the silence that was placed, brought to his life? The sadness and the hardship? And yet this is exactly what happens when we Christians are not on guard and we do not battle and fight against the doubt in our own lives, is that it, that doubt that is unhindered will bring silence even to our own lives. And you know this to be true. It silences your joy. Some of you know this. Because of your struggle in these things with faith and unbelief, it almost zaps your joy as though you have none. For some of you, it's more about peace. You go to bed at night and you can't sleep because you, can't, you don't know if you're even saved. 
you, you're doubting, and so there's no peace. You just wonder if, if tomorrow, if something was to happen in the middle of the night, where would you go? Some of you are looking at the Word of God, and you're, just, and you're struggling, and there's no peace there. It silences your witness. It silences your unbelief. I mean, your, your obedience. You don't follow the commands of God because you're doubting. You're not a great witness because you're doubting to the world, so you're not a great witness to them. Many of you know this to be true. Some of you would probably say this morning that one of those, some of the most discouraging times in the Christian walk have been times where you were consumed with doubt. And, there, and you, it led you to not trust the Word of God. And you found yourself feeling very much like the, the lead character in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian. You see, Christian eventually is captured by what is called giant despair. And he's imprisoned in this dungeon and doubting castle. And there within this dungeon, within this prison of Doubting Castle, he endures great suffering. And for many of us, this is what we would say. This is what doubt does to me. This is what it brings to me. It makes me discouraged. It, it, it seems almost like a spiritual beating. Because you've made a profession of faith, but yet when you read the Word of God, or you listen to a sermon, or you talk to a Christian friend, you walk away and you're still struggling. Is it even real? Or you leave church doubting if God even loves you. It was a wonderful church service. And yet, you know, you're doing really good on Sunday and Monday. But by Wednesday, you're just wondering if, if, if God even loves you. And it ruins and brings all this silence to your life. Beloved, doubt that leads to unbelief is a sin. And it is dangerous for both the, 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 the unbeliever and even the Christian it is a sinful thing to not believe God. It is a sinful thing to not believe the faithfulness and the goodness and the power of God to offend His character and His integrity. And so I must warn you this morning that if you are one this morning and you have allowed doubt to bring you to this point of unbelief, if you're, if you're one this morning that doubt has, has brought you to a point, maybe not belief in the existence of God, not as a Christian, you're a Christian, you're, you're like Zechariah, but, but you are just struggling with believing the promises of God and, and what the Word teaches. Hear me this morning. Repent. Repent and recognize your unbelief as sin and run into the arms of God and confess your struggle to Him. Confess your struggle to Him. And again, confess your excuse me, confess your struggle to a friend, to a Christian brother, a faith family member. Come and don't fight these battles alone because they can zap your joy and your peace. But I would even once again say to the non-Christian this morning that you would hear my plea for you. That your unbelief will lead to eternal judgment and condemnation. Come to Christ this morning. And if you say, I, I need help with unbelief, we're fixing to get to that in just a moment. But come and confess that to him. Come and confess that to, to one of our church members, to one of our deacons. Come and confess it to me and try. We would love to walk with you. We would love to help you with this. Because this is a battle that must be raised and must be won. And so, Brother Brian, if it is a battle, then how do I win the battle? That leads me to our next thing here. I want to show you this morning the steps to fight doubt. 
the steps to find victory within the struggle. And what's amazing is, is that all of these steps were surrounding Zechariah. He just never really grabbed a hold of them. He never went to war with them. Notice first, I want you to see, the first thing is that we need to see the evidence. I, I love this. Zechariah is what? What is his role? What is his office? He's a priest. And the priest is one who is supposed to know the Old Testament Scriptures and who is supposed to interpret the Old Testament Scriptures and then teach it to others. This is a man who had the Word of God. This was his whole job and his whole role. He was to have it and know it. He had the evidence pointing to the fact that God was going to keep the promise that he gave him and God had the power and the ability to overcome old age and barrenness. Did we not just study this morning Abraham and Sarah? Or, or what about the many others? What about Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Rachel and Hannah and Elkanah? What, what about all the others that throughout the Old Testament? And there are eyewitness testimonies of this, of men and women who could not have children, but yet God in His grace and mercy came through. The Bible, beloved, is the most historically, historically accurate book on the planet. It is not a book of fairy tales. It is not a book of myth or legend. It is a book of real men and real women who interacted with God and God did great and amazing things. It is a, it is a collection, as Dr. Vodivakum says, a collection of, histor- of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Hear me this morning, brothers and sisters, our faith is not blind. And it really kind of bugs me when we do this, that when we tell people that, that they're just to believe and not show them that, that their belief is actually even the most reasonable thing. Your faith in God is not a blind faith. It has been proven and tested over and over and over again. I was just, I think it was my son, we were talking about this this past week, that one of the things that they're learning in their school is that there are three major tests to know whether literature is real, that it is accurate, that it happened. And the Bible passes every last one of them with flying colors. What you have in your hands is the evidence of God. If you're doubting, go to the evidence. Go back and read and study and see what God has said and what God has done. If you have a brother or a sister, if you have a friend, someone who is struggling with these things, take them to the evidence. To give them the, the reason for the hope that is within you that we find there in Second Peter. Show them the, the reason why we have this hope. It's not blind faith, brothers and sisters. Our faith has been proven over and over and over again. Which leads me to this, is that we understand that doubt and unbelief is a spiritual struggle. Because we have more than enough evidence. Zechariah had the evidence, but he chooses not to go to it. I would encourage you this morning that if you're one who is struggling with this issue of doubt, go to the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Look into these things that you may find the answers. Secondly, Secondly, I would tell you this morning to seek faith from God. Answer this question, where is Zechariah presently when the angel comes? He's in the temple. And what was Zechariah doing? What was his job in the temple? But burning incense. Do you remember what burning of the incense was? It was as they burned the incense, it was the prayers that would go up to God. 
It was the prayers of God that would go up, and as they were burning, God is receiving these prayers. You see, we must remember here that if we want that the thing that Zechariah doesn't do is that he doesn't go to the Lord in prayer asking for help in overcoming belief. How does one overcome and fight their doubt? How does one overcome doubt and unbelief and, and have faith? But we go to God in prayer and ask for faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. You are sa- for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Faith comes from God. The, this is exactly what takes place in Mark chapter 9 verse 24. You know the story, don't you? The Jesus and three of his disciples are on the Mount of Transfiguration and they come down and the other disciples and there's this crowd and there's this man with a demon-possessed son and, and he's asked them to cast out the demon and the demon won't come out and so the man runs to Jesus and he says, he says they, couldn't, they couldn't do it and Jesus gets mad and he says, he says ye of little faith and he looks to the man and he says if you'll believe he says if you believe I, the demon will come out and this man says one of the most amazing things, one of the most truest things that you and I have ever dealt with. And we say, he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. We look at that and we say, is that a contradiction? No. Brothers and sisters, that's real. God, I believe, but I have doubts. God, I believe. I have faith. I'm, I'm putting it in you, but I have doubts about all some of these things. Help me overcome my unbelief. And so we see this, that this is exactly what Zechariah needed to do. That there in the temple, at a place of prayer, with the very thing that he is doing, offering these prayers up, he needed to go to the Lord and, and ask him, Oh, Father, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm struggling with this. I need help. Help me overcome my unbelief. Some of you, that's exactly what you need to do. You're struggling, and you have struggled in all of these areas. We must go to the Lord in prayer. But I would even add to that, we must know also that faith comes by hearing. So not only do we go to the Lord in prayer, we put ourselves under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. You are not going to win your battle with doubt, brothers and sisters, if you don't come to church. I'm sorry. You will not overcome your battle with doubt. You will not grow in your faith. You will lose the battle if you do not place yourself under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, seeking God in prayer and faith, because these are the things that God has given us to encourage and to build and to strengthen our faith in Him. But thirdly, look at verse 19 and 20. I want to show you one other thing here, two other things. Constantly remind yourself of God's nature and power. I love this. Zechariah says, How will I know for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Look at verse 19. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. I love this. How does Gabriel respond to someone who says, I don't know if I can believe this because I've got, I've got all these things that says that what you're telling me is impossible. He doesn't try to he doesn't try to remind Zechariah of how good that he's been, that God would, you know, that God's going to reward him for, for his life. He doesn't do any of that. He, he doesn't say, well, you just need to believe. He doesn't say that. He looks to Zechariah and he says to Zechariah, I have literally seen God. 
how do I know that I'm going to have a child? I've seen God. But I'm too old. I've seen God. I have seen him in all of his glory. I've seen him in all of his honor, all of his majesty. I have seen the God who created the world, who created you, who created me. I have stood in his presence, Zechariah, and I have beheld his glory. I am here to tell you today that what I've seen, I can know for certain that what he's telling you is going to come about. Beloved, the road to victory and overcoming doubt is remembering the one who sits on the throne. It is remembering the one who who we worship. It is remembering the one who created all things. It's remembering the one who did all of the stuff that we read about. (coughs) We read and we call to mind the goodness of God. That we need not doubt the truth of his word, for he will never lie, for he is good. Gabriel saw with his own eyes the goodness of God. He saw the faithfulness of God. That God never breaks a promise. He will not break one now. He saw the love of God that he, would send, that he was going to send his only son into the world for sinners, people who didn't even love him back. Gabriel saw the power of God as he sat there on his throne. And he knew that nothing was too difficult for God. Brothers and sisters, some of you need to preach these attributes to yourself. You need to remind yourself of the one that you worship. You need to remind yourself of the one the Bible tells us about. Because there is nothing uncertain in God. We are certain that he is great and mighty and powerful and loving and faithful and good. And so if we want to come, overcome uncertainty, we must constantly remind ourselves of the one thing that we can be certain about. And that is what Gabriel is doing. Zachariah, I know, I know that you have these doubts, but I'm here to tell you, I have, I have seen with my own eyes the glory of God. And you've got nothing to worry about. You say, Brother Brian, I've never stood in the throne room of God. I'm not like Gabriel. No. But you carry in your hands this morning the very word of God that reveals the same glory that Gabriel saw. You carry in your hands, brothers and sisters, a book of special revelation that reveals to you the glory of God, the King of Kings. And if you want to fight and overcome your doubt, then you must go to the book and behold the glory and the majesty of God on the throne. And one final thing that I want you to see. You need to, we look here at verse 23, it says, it says that when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. I love this because Zechariah doesn't run home because he's made silent. He doesn't run home because he's, because he, he, you know, he's been judged. If it was me, I'm done. I'm out of there. I'm going to run home and tell Melanie, you know, all this stuff. No, what does he do? He keeps serving in the temple. He keeps obeying God. He keeps worshiping the Lord. But I want you to look ahead at what he does. Look to verse, again, in verse 24, verse 25, it says, After these things, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Not only that, just turn the page very quickly to verse 59. And so it happened that on the eighth day, so he's, he's been born eight days later, he still cannot talk. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. They said to her, There is no one name among your relatives who is called by that name. 
And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet, and he wrote in its follow, His name is John. And they were all astonished, and at once his mouth was open and his tongue was loose and began to speak the praises of God. This is amazing. What does Zechariah do? He keeps pressing forward. He keeps pressing forward. He has his doubts. He's had his struggles. He's now experiencing the punishment and the silence that God has brought upon him. But he keeps pressing forward. Can you, you, we see in verse 24 and 25 that he goes home and he makes a baby. Don't forget, they're advanced in age and that she's barren. You say, well, that's not that big of a deal, you know. It is for someone who has had nothing but disappointments month after month after month. This would have been hard because they had given up. But he's obedient. He goes home to his wife and they have a baby. He does what God tells him to do. He doesn't give up. He presses forward into this test of faith. Not only that, what are you going to name the child? He says, I will name the child John. This was an act of obedience. He names him John because God has called him to name him John. And notice he doesn't receive his voice back until that moment. Why? Because when he names him John, it is an expression of faith and and belief in God. Not when the baby's born, but when he says, name him John. Yet Zechariah here... Well, the people are all amazed about this. And Zechariah, he follows through and he names him the very thing. FPC, sometimes the greatest way to gain victory over doubt is for you and I to keep battling it. To keep pressing forward. To keep moving forward. You may not feel spiritual. You may not feel love. You may doubt the word of God. You may have all kinds of these things. But don't stop fighting. Don't quit. And for many people, the reason they fail, the reason they they find themselves in unbelief is because they stop. And so there may be one this morning that what you need to hear this morning is, don't quit. You may have questions, you may have doubts, you may have struggles, but don't quit. Keep pressing forward. Why? (coughs) Because one day, your faith will turn to sight. You may be like the Father, I believe, but I have some doubts. Keep asking, keep praying, keep fighting, keep running. And what you will find is that you may be a lot like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. Great despair comes and he's thrown into the prison. And he's there for many nights, many days, until finally one day hope arrives His friend Hope comes and his friend Hope reminds him of the great promise that he's been given. And Christian wakes up and he remembers that in his pocket is the key called promise. And when he takes out the key of promise, he remembers that it opens every door. And in that moment, he unlocks the prison and he is able to walk free. Brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. Doubt is a battle that we have to fight, but you must fight. If you are an unbeliever this morning, come to the Lord, come to us as a church. We would love to help you. And if you're a Christian this morning, fight with with everything you got that you may overcome and you may experience that promise that God has given you. Let's pray.